Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Hello, Victoria. Thank you for joining me here on this uh, another episode of the Fifth Estate podcast. Uh, this episode, we are fortunate enough to have Lucas Moore, who's running uh, as a candidate for the North Northeast Metro region uh, in the coming Victorian state election. Now, Lucas is part of the Victorian Socialists, so I have promised him I will go a little bit easy on him today. Uh, though, that being said, I'm not going to be wrapping him up in cotton wool or bubble wrap or anything like that. So, um you know, I have had a good conversation with him off air uh, before I started and, you know, I, I do want to make this, you know, fair for him. I'm, I'm not here to um, put him in gotchas or anything like that. So uh, he's aware of my uh, anarchistic point of view with things. So we'll see how he goes. So uh, thank you for joining, Lucas. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah go I ahead. I have to do many interviews, so thanks for going easy on me. That, that's all right. Um, I'd, I'd love to say this is going to be a baptism by fire, but I, I think compared to, to some of the other people, uh, you know, I, I'm not aiming for ratings goals or anything like that. I'm just here to have um, an open and honest discussion with the people mm. who I am able to talk to um, and, you know, discuss real world things and all that sort of stuff. So mm. uh, before we get into it, uh, do you want to give everyone a bit of a Reader's Digest version of who you are uh, and everything like that? And then at the end, we'll go into uh, where you can be found. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm my name's Lucas Moore. I'm yeah running for the upper house in the northeast metro for Victorian Socialists. Um, I've been a socialist for be about fifteen years now since I uh, since I finished high school. Um, been an activist, uh, a student activist, you know, fighting against um, course cuts. I was at Latrobe Uni uh, when they smashed and burned the uh, humanities department and I was part of the campaign against that. Um, been, uh, another thing I've been involved in over the years was the campaign for same-sex marriage. Um, you know, people forget a lot, um, but for many years it was just a kind of quiet issue. It was just about you know, building you know, protest after protest, sometimes, you know, not that many people, sometimes huge and, you know, you get people like, um, you know, Ian McCullen um, and celebrities, uh, you know, up on the stage. Um, but often it was just that quiet, you know, handing out leaflets, building the next thing um, that really got that campaign going. And I was uh, part of that for many years. Um, yeah, I've been a fighter for refugee rights um, and a whole bunch of other issues. Um, socialists try to be involved uh, wherever they can, you know, um, in progressive causes. Um, yeah, so that's a bit about me. Uh, I live in the in Heidelberg area and I have all my life. Um, it's a bit of a local, bit of a bit uh, passionate about the area. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, um, to start off with a warm, nice, fluffy one for you and all that sort of stuff. So what inspired mm. you to run in this election? Oh, well, I guess, um, I guess, uh, you know, Victorian Socialists, we're still a fairly new party, um, but we're uh, trying to expand uh, bit by bit. So the main campaign is happening in the, in the north and west areas. 
So here in the northeast, we get um, you know uh, very little resources. Um, uh, but I guess the thing that you know, inspired me to run um, was well, you know, the world is is getting pretty is getting pretty bad out there. You know, um, and when you think about climate change, you know. Um, like Pakistan just a few months ago was pretty much put under water, you know, um, millions of people, you know, the entire population of Australia uh, is worth of people um, was displaced during that. Um, you know, it's, it's getting a, to be a really scary kind of reality. Even here um, in Melbourne, we felt it with the recent floods and it's, it's time that, you know, uh, people who are progressive, um, who want to see a better world, well, you know, we better get out and fight for it, you mm. know? Um, and that, and sometimes that means running for parliament. Uh, I don't know what you, you think about parliament, but I think that, you know, most of the stuff that goes on in parliament is a joke. You know, politicians have uh, uh, lost touch with, you know, n- normal people. They're all, like, even the base salary for a politician is like 200K a year, which is... Well, that's what almost three times the average income. Mm. Um, okay, now, now um, okay, mentioning that one, I, I, we'll, we'll start with that one now. Yeah, sure. Um, my view is obviously decentralize everything. The more you can yeah. get local communities to look after themselves, and I'm not talking about local government because I think local government is part of the problem, not part of the solution. I'd oh, like exactly. to yeah. to decentralize even further. Um, and, and go for local communities that manage the stuff. And if there has to be some sort of local government, uh, make the local government areas smaller uh, so that they can adequately manage things. But um, aside from that, now, one of the, the policies of the Victorian Socialists is to make the basic salary of all members of parliament uh, no more than a sixth-year nurse. So that's about 87K uh, with mm-hmm. all increases yep. pegged to the nurses' award. Um, on one hand, fully agree with that. Um, I actually, my, my personal view is that uh, it should be voluntary. Um, they spend too much time in Parliament. Every time they go to Spring Street, they pass laws that impact our lives. So the less often that they can meet in, in Spring Street, the better. Um, though yeah, yeah. with regards to that, isn't there a concern there that you'd be um, not attracting the best talent? Because the idea of, of politicians having uh, substantial salaries that they do, or, or so the theory goes, is that it's there because it's to attract the best talent that you can and, and uh, as opposed to the ones that would go to the private sector and earn, you know, substantially more for that one. Uh, I mean... Uh, Malcolm Turnbull, case in point, like he was a, a, a multi-millionaire before he came in, uh, and you know he he dropped his salary down to five hundred, oh, just under five hundred k a year to be um, prime minister for a while, uh, and now you know who knows what he's on now that he's on the speaking circuit and doing whatever else he's doing. So, not saying that Malcolm Turnbull is a, a shining example of the best sort of politician that there is, but do you think? Um, is it is it possible that making it eighty seven k, that with 
what the politicians do. And I understand it's not all just sitting in Spring Street all the time, but there's a lot of after hours work, uh, engaging with the community and all that sort of stuff. Would that, mm. um, you know, limit the pool, the ones that, that do want to do it would turn around and say, well, why should I do it for 87K when I can do something different and get 120 or 130 as a consultant or stay as a lawyer or, or whatever? Well, I think, you know, the basic thing is that people shouldn't be in Parliament for the money, you know. They should be in there because they want to represent their yep. community. Um, because they Support you to... on that one? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, you know, if they're attracted by the money, they're, they're getting in there for the wrong reasons to start with, I think. Um and as a you know, and also with the attracting the best talent, uh, you know, I think our, some of our more recent politicians, you know, thinking of um, Scott Morrison for one, um, you know, is this really the best talent that we ha- that we have? You know. Um, okay. To be fair, that's on on both sides of the the political table as well. I mean, you can't just point the finger at. The former PM. I mean, you could say the same thing about the current PM, um, oh, sure. and yeah. all that sort yeah. of stuff. So, um, I mean, you know, going to something that that you know may get a chuckle out of you. I mean, you have a look at Julie Bishop. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, she's running around in. She went to London and wore some fourteen hundred dollar dress um, mm. and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, from from that point. Point. Yes, the the uh, ruling class or the elites or whatever you want to call them are sev- severely out of touch. Um, yeah. My, you know, I, you know, and that's the thing. You know, as I said, I'm, I'm trying to catch you out on it. Um, I do agree with the sentiment behind it, and as I, I said, sort of said, I'd love to see the position voluntary. My only concern is is that if it does happen, then you know you'd be. I, I, I won't say getting the dregs of society, but, um, you know, you'd be looking at those who um, may be doing it because they don't have something else. But then also by the other side of the, the, the coin, would they be they using know that? what it's like. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, could they be using that to feather their own nest to move on to something bigger and better? So just using it as a stepping stone, in which case they're not really vested in, in service to the community. They're just using mm-hmm. that as a means to an end. Well, I think that's already happening. You know, most politicians end up, uh, you know, in the private sector um, of one kind or another. You know, um, for for many of them, it's already a a bit of a stepping stone, you know. Mm. Mm. All right. All right. Now, um, you did mention climate change before. Uh, I think this Mm -hmm. is where we're going to have a a bit of a discussion on this one. Um, I understand that we do need to change the way that energy is produced. I have um, major concerns with uh, what is called green energy or renewable energy being touted as uh, the be-all and end-all and then also flicking down to your policy, uh, what we think you said, nuclear power is neither clean nor renewable. Um mm. I am a huge supporter of nuclear power. I think that we should be doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so hear me out on this one. Then we'll, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to take the gloves off, we'll we'll, we'll go for it. 
Um, so from from that aspect is uh, I'd, I'd really like to have uh, that be accepted so then we move from nuclear fusion to nuclear fission. I think I think that's the way it is. I, I get the two confused all the time because it's, it's not something I dabble in all the time. But, you know, just move away from, from the nuclear fusion reactors to how it is and then nuclear fission because from what I understand of it and, yes, it, it's only um, – you know, basic stuff is that that's going to be more efficient, more reliable, uh, and has has a better return on it. Though, because there's no nuclear industry as such, that there's no uh, development towards that. And on the other side of, of that is that if we're focusing so much on um, solar power, wind power, and everything like that, instead of uh, using technology the best that we can, even with the, the current coal-fired uh, generators, how much are we benefiting China? Um, the solar panels aren't, re- aren't recyclable. They're, uh, from what I understand, there's a lot of toxic stuff in them. And then second thing is the uh, wind turbine blades aren't recyclable either, so they have to be buried in landfill. So to, to turn around and say that nuclear power is neither clean nor renewable, yes, accept that, uh, though I would say that neither is what they're talking about as green energy, like um, solar panels, for ex- solar power, for example. Solar panels aren't, aren't recyclable. Um, solar electricity isn't renewable because when the sun don't shine, you don't generate power. Um, despite what um, the current PM said during when he was going in his election campaign, solar panels will not charge your car at night time um, for that. And, and I just mm. love that, so that quote of his, but yeah. Well, yeah, that's where, you know, you have battery storage uh, comes into it. But, you know, I agree that there are problems and batteries for a great good example, you know, very toxic. Um and solar, solar, solar panels, you know, uh, there are issues there about how, how they're sourced, how they're manufactured, um, you know, where the raw materials come from. Um, but I think, you know, compared to what we've got at the moment, it's, it's far more preferable. Um, you know, a lot of our coal power stations are, are pretty old. Um, and you know, even the newer ones are... You know, every every little bit is com- is uh, contributing to climate change. So we need to you know, do something about that. So, okay, under so, okay, talking about, about you know whether, whether you can speak for the you know the party or the electorate or, or anything like that. So mm-hmm. the idea of, of doing this uh, for the benefits of, of climate change. So mm-hmm. those gains far outweigh the slave labour, um, child labour and, uh, you know, potential uh, funding of uh, if you uh, subscribe to the current theories that, that are floating around that, that uh, the country that they're made in is a, an ideological enemy to, to Australia and Western society. So all that's fine if it saves the environment. Well, I think, you know, currently we're digging up coal, you know, we're digging up uranium, we're shipping it off to China anyway. You yeah. know, our, our current setup is is benefiting China as well. You know, they're our biggest trading partner. 
Um, so it's not like we're you know totally changing uh, you know changing tracks to suddenly you know being a huge supporter of, of China. Um, I think, but, but uh, you know we as socialists, I think you know. Uh, you know, although we're not fans of the, the Chinese government, we're not, you know, we're not pro-war um, with China. We, um, yeah. Yeah I, 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 um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, uh, yes, we, you know, I'd love to see all the exports stopped. But anyway, um, mm. yes, currently there are raw materials being exported to China, though they pay us for them, whereas... Buying the batteries and fan mm-hmm. blades and uh, sorry turbine blades and all that from China, we're actually paying China. So uh, I, there's for me there's a bit of a difference between selling them something that they buy as mm. opposed to us buying something off them which supports them because we're giving them money. Um, well, there's, there's no reason that we can manufacture them here. You know. I'm, I'm I'm surprised that the well, I'm not really surprised we've had a liberal government. So of course they haven't been. But um, you know, a progressive government I think would be investing in manufacturing uh, um, renewables here, so solar panels, uh, wind turbines. There's no reason that we can't do it, mm. um, and we probably wouldn't even need to get the minerals imported. Um, you know, certainly being so uh, mineral rich. Yes, that's from what I understand too. Is that we've got a lot here, it's just that there's no money in mining it here, mm. um, so it hasn't been dug up. But anyway, cheaper to do it elsewhere. Yes, yes. Uh, now, the next one I want to have a rant about. Uh, it is something that that I do rant about a lot, though I think for different reasons we might be having. A, that's your um, police and prisons one. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, prisons aside and all that sort of stuff, uh, we'll, we'll talk about more about uh, Victoria Police here. Um, the defund the police, uh, reversal funding increases to Victoria Police over the last decade, uh, and redirected into social welfare spending. Uh, develop a plan to plan, plan to progressively defund the police. Uh, before I get into that, please forgive me. I mean, as I said, I'm looking at this directly on the website now. Um, yeah. So if you're not, I'm not expecting you to regurgitate it all off your head and all that sort of stuff off the top of your head. So um, understand if you can't go into as much detail and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't say defund the police. My views would be absolutely abolish the police for a start, um, though from the point of... To abolish them, you've got to defund them, surely. Uh, no, because if you defund them, they still exist. Whereas if you just get rid of them altogether, then you move that power back to the individual where it's the individual and then the community that are responsible for uh, changing values. So, you know, it's like uh, years ago there used to be the, the, the Neighbourhood Watch program where the yeah, community yeah. would get together and that, you know, it was supposed to bring crime down. And I think it started off with a good intent, though like everything else that governments bring in, it got corrupted and became something different. Mm. Um, from from my 
perspective, I'd love to see that initiated, where, uh, reinstated, where the community actually takes an interest and um, values their community and it's more about, and I'm not talking about vigilantes roaming the street or anything like that, it's more from the point is that, you know, it, it's your community, you need to be responsible for it, you can't rely on the state to commit violence on your behalf um, yeah, and yeah. not saying that the community should commit violence as well, though uh, I, I think we need to change the the view on it that if something happens, then if it's defensive, then there should be greater protections on the individual if they do have to respond with violence um, for that. And, you know, fr from that part, it, it sort of, tags onto you um, disarming the police uh, and everything like that. So the rest of it I have a little bit of a concern with, though just going back to the social welfare spending, sort of what would you, um, you know, in a, in a perfect world, what would that involve? Uh, well, in the police or just in general? No, 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 where it says um, reduce all funding um, and then direct, redirect into social welfare. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I think uh, we spend all all of this money, you know, uh, incarcerating people, um, you know, often in, in very poor conditions. Um, you know, we, um, we should be spending that money on uh, rehabilitating people, you know getting to the, the source of the problems rather than trying to, you know, just punish people who are, um, who are, yeah, you know, who uh, commit crimes often out of uh, desperation, you know. Um, you know, most uh, crime, you know, in terms of, of petty crime is, is driven by poverty. Mm. Um, you know, really we need to, we need to get to the source of the, the problem, um, and that means, yeah, you know, uh, increasing funding of uh, community uh, welfare groups, you know, uh, youth counselling, um, you know, and yeah, youth counselling community areas where you know young people can go. Um, yeah, you know, things like that. Mm. So would would that um, apply to what they call victimless crimes or uh, across the board or, or would it – sorry, would that apply to uh, crimes across the board or only victimless ones? So, you know, for example, uh, you know, minor drugs, drug possession as opposed to um, uh, drug distribution uh, and things like that or would it apply to – like common assaults, um, breaking enters, and things like that, where there actually is a victim. Um, well, I think hmm, I think okay. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm not trying to get you out on that one. So yeah, that's fine. No, 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 no. I'm just trying to think through the question. You know, these are big. These are big issues that we're talking about here, and. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, obviously, out of the scope of our you know, small election campaign. Oh, but, it <laughs> but is, that's okay. It, you know, I'm happy to talk about you know the bigger, bigger picture stuff if you like. But you're talking about defunding the police. So, if you defund the police, then 
okay, where do you start? Do you start uh, defunding, mm-hmm. you know, the the, um, the SOGs, the certs and the ports or do you start defunding the dog squad or do you start defunding, um, you know, the, the um, rural crime squads? Which ones do you do? Um, where do you start their defunding? And then from there the the likely pushback is the community will say, oh, but they're there, they serve a purpose. Like, Okay, we'll take the soggies for a start. Um, supposedly they're there to, you know, for terrorism and um, high um, high value targets and, and high um, uh, critical incidents and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I mean, personally, I think get rid of them all. Uh, yeah. That if you take away the police, then if 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 you, you change, you need to change the focus from the community because terrorism only exists if it changes the way the community operates. If regardless of what happens, the community still carries on with business as usual, then terrorism has failed. And the the when you have a look at what are traditional terrorist activities, and the the, the governments have shown us that they have succeeded because they've changed the way that we've done things. So to turn around and have an armed force to to be a response to that, well. It's more likely that uh, we've handed over our agency to these organisations and said, "Well, you know, you keep us safe. We're not going to engage with the community. We're not going to uh, have, as you've mentioned, um, community programs. We're not going to do anything like that. We're just going to allow you know you to look after us, which is going to radicalise the youth um, and and things like that. So." And it's also going to uh, potentially, because there's no community involvement, community engagement, where these things can be stopped at the community level, it's likely to escalate uh, whatever thing was done because it's, it, yeah, it's, I know it's a bit more in depth, but this is something that, that really bugs me and I don't think that the state should have the authority or the ability to, decide what is and what isn't a terrorist activity because if you do turn around and subscribe to that theory then the news is a terrorist propaganda machine the the daily papers are because they get us to change our view our our behaviors every single day whether it's it's talking about the woo flu or whether it's talking about um, home invasions for millionaires or whether it's talking about whatever it is is that you know they're the 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 propaganda um, machines of these terrorist organisations and um, going back to the start of the Wu flu, uh, the police minister at the time, Lisa Neville, turned around and said that the draconian policies that the state implemented were there to change, was a behaviour modification. So they were doing that to get us to change our behaviour. So by that side of, you know, by, by, with that definition, is not the state itself a terrorist organisation? Um, and and all that, and as I said, uh, you know, this it, it is a big, big rant of mine, and I'm not trying to, to catch you out on anything. So um, it, it's just that I mean, I fully support the whole thing about getting rid of the police force, disarming it, everything like that, um, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It's just, I, I, my concerns with that is is that there's not. Um, a, you know, something that's there as, as a a good um, alternative to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, well, yeah, I think, um, you know, we're not going to be in a position to, to defund the police at the moment. You know, um, we're starting pretty small. Um, but I think, you know, if you go got into a position where, you know, there were these, you know, big social movements, um, if we were on the rise, I think uh, there you would have a lot more community engagement and you could start setting up these, you know, like neighbourhood watch uh, type things that could, you know, replace that um, that role that the, the, the police currently have. You know, mm. uh, you know, currently, if you if you see something wrong, you're not supposed to do anything. You know, you're supposed to call the police because they're the the authority. Um, but um, you know, too often, you, you know, the police rock up and they make the thing worse. You know, mm. um, or they you know they drag away somebody. You know, lock them in jail. Well, you know, how does that really make anybody's life better? You know. Mm. Um, so would you support the um, uh, private fire, firearm ownership for the purposes of, of self-defence? Uh, no. Why not? I don't think so. Well, I think, uh, um, I mean, we, I don't know if we have a position on, on firearms, but me personally, I don't think, you know, adding... Well, okay. I, I'm not saying that you roll it out as a blanket policy that everyone has to have, um, you know, something strapped to the hip. I'm, I'm not saying that, and and I don't think anyone in their right mind would even suggest that. It's more from the 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 view is that hey, if someone is law abiding and um, does satisfy the criteria of being able to lawfully own one, mm-hmm. is that something that you know, is is possible that, that you would, you know, potentially support it. I mean, because, okay, coming back to that one, it, it's the thing is that there's that old saying that if firearms are outlawed, the only ones that will have the firearms are, you know, obviously the outlaws and the government and, you know, the, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And um, we've seen through history that when the, when the state is the only one that has... Uh, the mm-hmm. the ability to use lethal force, um, mm. then that's when things do tend to go bad um, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, this is more from asking you from from the point of, of maybe even just, you know, having having a bit more thought about it, which I, I do appreciate that you are, um, to, to maybe thinking that, hey, it's not nece- might not necessarily be a bad thing because then... Uh, you know, that could be a deterrent within itself um, from uh, most, uh, you know, um, anti-personal crimes or, or whatever they call it, you know, you know crimes with personal attacks and, and, and things like that um, mm. and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, and as I said, I'm not talking about, you know, or expecting that, you know, you'd support vigilantes walking down with, you know, AR-15s or, or anything like that. I'm... That's not what I want to see either, but it's the thing that is I do believe if we're in a a free society that the politicians love to tell us that I should be able to um, rely on myself for my own protection rather than calling the state to do it when they will come after the fact. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I still don't think... Hmm. I still don't think we'd be for. I think 
deterrence, I'm more for you know getting at the causes. Um, you know, getting more. You know, getting those welfare programs going, getting people kind of involved in their in their communities. You know, less isolation, less poverty. You know. Um, you know, rather than having to rely, you know, everybody having to, you know, arm up to kind of defend themselves. Um, I don't know, I, yeah, I just don't think that the, the lethal weapons are the way to go. I think that nobody should have, have that, that authority or that power to, you know, to, to kill some, to kill somebody else, you know, be it the state or, or private citizens, except for maybe, you know, in, in real cases of, uh, of self-defense. Um, but then, okay, then, if you haven't got that, if you haven't got that ability to use lethal force against someone that mm-hmm. comes at you with, uh, for argument's sake, a kitchen knife mm-hmm. or a kitchen fork mm-hmm. or, or something like mm-hmm. that or a baseball bat, then yeah. there's that, that situation where you're at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's a tricky, yeah, it's a... A tricky question. Um, I'm not really sure what the yeah. Okay, no, 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 that's fine. As I said, I, I'm not trying to catch you out. I, it's just more of having a discussion and, and hopefully, you know, think you know what maybe he's onto something there, and, and let's ponder about it a bit more um, for mm. that one. Now, but I think like uh, you mentioned where we'd start in defunding the police. I think taking away their guns would be a good place to start. For for whole, the general duties or all across the board? General duties, I think uh, mostly across the board, yeah. I mean, some of the – you know, why do they need a gun when they're on general duty? They're supposed to be armed professionals and they've got tasers and, and clubs and, you know, body armour and everything. They, they shouldn't need uh, firearms as well. Um, and then you get into like the, you know, the riot squad and stuff and their guns are getting, you know, it, it's becoming kind of an Americanization of the police force and militarization, um, you know, with some of the guns that they're getting, uh, that keep getting bigger and bigger and, you know, they get big armored jeep type things and, uh, you know, grenade launchers, you know, mm. for the, um, yeah, throw the flashbangs out and all that yeah. flashbangs. Etc. I think, um, yeah, removing uh, some of those weapons and uh, would be a good place to start. I, I mean, all right, yeah, um, all right. I'll, I'll I'll skip on to the next one because uh, I think mm-hmm. we could use a whole hour just talking about that. Um, but as I said, my my whole thing is abolish them altogether, uh, remove the the ability for the state to be the only one that that is able to commit violence um lawfully commit violence um but yeah anyway the the one i want to talk about it's animals now um myself i'm vegan have been for 30 odd years now and interesting to before it was cool yes way before it was cool vegetarianism (laughs) was just starting to become cool when when i did it um now, a lot of it I agree with, though, uh, where was it? Okay, create a system of well-funded, publicly owned and run shelters and sanctuaries for rescued animals. Um, 
would you go as far as um, removing the the uh, ability for people to have what they call domesticated animals or pets? Um, but so before you get under that one, my my view is. If you're going to go down that path from um, a, an animal, what used to be called animal rights perspective, but more about now, I think it's it's my view is of giving other animals equal consideration, is that the best thing to do for them is to leave them alone, and that is not have them as pets, um, because there's you're doing something there where you're. Uh, you know, restricting the rights of that animal regardless of, of what, you know, people say, oh, but it's a circle of life and, and all this sort of guffawful. Uh, I'd like to see a society where humans aren't relying on another species for companionship and that's my biggest yeah. thing there that all these people saying, oh, but they're companion animals. Like what's wrong with society that you can't use your next door neighbour as a mm-hmm. companion or you can't use the neighbourhood as your companion. You need to have um, a, an animal there that, you know, ha- is elevated as, as, as the status of it um, and, and all that sort of stuff. So you know, that's just so you understand where I'm coming from and yeah, yeah, the yeah. my reasons for any other questions that, that, that come forward. I mean, yeah, like me... Personally, this isn't a VS position and might even be controversial, but I don't, I don't like pets either. I, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, and you look at the amount of resources that get used up with pets. Like it's a whole industry breeding them, you yeah. know, selling them. A as, multi-billion as, dollar industry. Yeah, uh, selling them as, as basically as commodities, you know, feeding them or, you know, all this meat that has to be produced um, uh, and shipped and packaged and all of that. Um, I think, yeah, there, there are definitely um, better ways uh, that people can be getting companionship than you know, relying on, on animals that... Yeah, don't. Yeah, they don't really have any choice but to be with you. you mm. know? Uh, uh, but yeah, we're not for Victorian uh, socialists. Don't have a position on like taking away people's pets or anything. Mm. For, um, you know, as long as uh, pets are being looked after, um, you know, uh, people should be able to have pets. Um, uh, but yeah, I think we need we need um, part of I think one of the policies there is to increase uh, funding into into you know looking into the, the treatment of animals, mm. you know, cracking down more on um, on breeding pro- dog breeding programs. Um, you know, I think the Victorian government's made a little bit of progress on that, but there's still a lot uh, you know a lot to do, and then there's there's bigger questions of you know, that you, that you brought up about do we need, you know, all these pets and the whole industry around it. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, this next point ties into what we are talking about for about mm-hmm. um, Victoria Police. It says um, item 10, 
introduce limits on the use of animals by Victoria Police, including an end to the training of animals to attack humans and a prohibition on putting animals in situations in which they could uh, reasonably be expected to come into physical conflict with humans. For example, the amount of branch must be disbanded and the use of dogs for crowd or threat control prohibited. Um, In line with the previous discussion, fully support that, have no qualms whatsoever. I think it is absolutely disgusting that Victoria Police gets out there and uses the mounted branch as crowd control. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. horses are prey animals and to have the the amount of training that they have to go through to not be skittish to loud noises and bumps and everything like that, mm-hmm. I think um, is, is – and I'll use the word – I think it's abhorrent. Um, yeah. And uh, that being said, I grew up – uh, when John Darm, the police horse, was uh, popular in the seventies and the eighties, so I, you know, remember all those books and and seeing John Darm everywhere and Alex Tassel and all that sort of stuff and uh, and all that sort of stuff. So as, as a child, I uh, thought that was the best thing. Uh, though in adult life now, I I absolutely think it's despicable. Um, same as using dogs, uh, yeah. you know. Working dogs and things like that. I don't agree with it, and I think that the ability for Victoria Police to use horses has made them lazy because there's no community engagement, there's no discussions, and there's no hey, you know, because they're basically done to to um, quell what they would call riots. Uh, which and yeah. I don't think Victoria's seen a riot in probably the last thirty years. Um, I, yeah. I so their use is. is just ridiculous. Um, and even then, do you really need horses? Like, don't you have like motorbikes? Yep, yep. Oh, <laughs> or even um, I, they didn't they try water cannons for a while. Um, you know, um, from that one, um, maybe you get the fireys out, but then that changes their role. I yeah, I I don't agree with it. Um, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, it's not too nice being on the other side either. Well. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been on the receiving end of, of the water cannons or horses or anything like that. In, in um, another life, I have been exposed to uh, the capsicum sprays and, and um, crowd control gases and things like that. And yes, that's not a pretty thing. Mm, uh, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I have. Um, I was at uh, Occupy Melbourne and they charged him with the horses. And yeah, it's it's not great, and it's in the, you know you you're putting this position, you know, while well, do you push back on on this animal? It doesn't really have that much of a choice being there. You know, your problem is with the person who's riding it, but there's this kind of animal, uh, you know, put in the middle. Um, yeah, it's 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 not great. Yeah, I I think that it's used more for propaganda to get the. Um, compliant 60% to, you know, shift their focus from one way or the other, like, um, you know, regardless of, of what you think about them, the, but the, um, the what they were called freedom protests uh, that happened yeah. over the last couple of years uh, yeah. using, um, ex, you know, excessive force there and large numbers and then um, CERT and uh, the critical incident response team and the um, public order with all their equipment 
that was just for show. That was just to get the person sitting on the couch at home to think, oh, what a bunch of nut jobs they are. Um, I think the same thing comes when they use um, horses and and everything like that. So there's no reason why that they couldn't get out and engage with the, the, you know, the the protesters or whatever it is and and why it needs to go down that path. Um, But, um, okay, now you do talk about, if we can just focus on, on the, the animals for a little bit more, uh, there are stricter regulations on re- uh, recreational hunting and all that. So yeah, yeah. how would that uh, go with uh, what are called pest animals and that, you know, supposedly we need to slaughter a, a bucket load of kangaroos and, and ducks every year to keep uh, numbers down and everything like that. So... Um, in general, is it still supportive of that or is it uh, that? And if you don't know, I mean, please feel free to say that, that you don't know. You, you know, you'd know, you have to get back to me on that one. So as I said, I'm, I'm not trying to catch you out on anything. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I think, um, you know, the, the slaughtering of, of like kangaroos or, or ducks or anything because, you know, all the numbers will get out of control. I think, you know, personally, I think that the, the – stinks a bit of, of 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 bs you know it sounds a bit like a just a convenient excuse but i think um you know uh research more research needs to be done i guess you'd say um into whether that actually would occur um i think outlawing duck hunting season uh would be on my top of the list of things to do um in terms of animal hunting. Mm. Um, but then you've got, you know, so you've got uh, native animals like ducks or um, kangaroos, but then you've also got uh, introduced species like deer, rabbits, etc. I think, mm. um, you know, and you might disagree about this, but I think there needs to be a lot done, um, you know, uh, basically this problem has, has gone on far too long um, and the destruction that, you know, uh, animals like rabbits, uh, cane toads up north as well. Um, yeah, there needs to be a, a, a mass colour of these species. You know, you'd want to do that as humanely as possible. But okay, so- um, I think to project to protect the Australian ecosystem, um, and the you know native animals that we have many who are facing extinction you know um, sometimes yeah okay why can't we reintroduce the apex predators dingoes and, and things like that mm. well, um, I think that would be a good way of doing that but I, I you know Australia doesn't have that many apart from dingoes and well, you can't eat cane toads. That's the problem with them. Um, you know, nothing can kill them without getting poisoned. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, dingo breeding programs would be would be a good way to go, uh, but I don't think that would solve the problem. Though. Okay. Now, uh, so yes. Uh, rabbits, deer, um, cane toads and all that are an introduced species. At mm-hmm. what point in time would you say, okay, yes, they've been introduced, though you know what, 
they're part of the ecosystem now. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking about um, destruction of wildlife and things like that, what about the human impact, um, roads, uh, you know, the uh, ever-increasing uh, urban footprint uh, that are expanding sure. there? Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and there's a whole lot of other things that uh, I, I believe have a far greater impact on the ecosystems than any introduced species does. Yes, cane toads are, mm-hmm. are a pain. Um, mm-hmm. Having spent you know a couple of decades in Queensland, that you know they are um, something that I think should be. Uh, but I mean, is it managed? But then I mean, if there's that many of them now, that they are part of the ecosystem. Maybe it's just a, a matter of. Because um, I think what is it? Crows can get the babies because then they can flip them over, and they can get access to the belly, which isn't as tough as obviously the the, the top part of them. So I think they're able to uh, eat the cane toads that way. Um, but you know, ecosystems. I mean, nature's very adaptable. Um, nature would be able to adapt to that. Um, you know, we. There was a report hmm. somewhere about well, kangaroo at, numbers. Yep. At what costs, you know? Um, I mean, sure, the ecosystem will probably eventually adapt, but, you know, how many species would we lose in the process? Um, how many species ever... are we going to lose by wind farms? Well, I think wind farms are a lot more preferable than, you know, coal mines. Um, a lot less destructive. Um with coal mines, don't they um, aren't they supposed to? I'm not saying that they will because I know that there's fines for companies, you know, coal mining companies that haven't honoured their commitments and all that sort of stuff. It isn't the idea of a coal mine is that once everything's finished, is that you return the land to a condition the same, if not better, than what it was before. That's the that's the idea, and they usually you know, promise that they're going to do that. But uh, in most cases, it's it's not like my family is from uh, the Latrobe Valley, where a lot of uh, coal mining was done and still is done. And yeah, no, nah. okay. there's very little one. Oh yeah, I I know that because I mean, restoration is yeah, lived in <laughs> Queensland and there was always fines for the the mining companies because they didn't honour this bit and they didn't honour that bit and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we're starting to run out of time, so I think we're just going to have to fly through the next. Oh gee, couple well, really quick. An hour. That went quick. <laughs> See, and, and you were worried about filling up an hour. Um, oh, I know. Right? So, um, this is another one that's. Uh, I have ranted about a lot uh, that uh, agree with what it is, though I think we've got different views on it. Now, um, this is uh, a bank that puts people before profit, so this is uh, we need to establish a state bank of Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, fully support that, um, and I think the Victorian government can do it um, because there is scope within the Commonwealth uh, Constitution to do it as long as the state bank is stays within the border. So the, the constitution allows the states to create banking and insurance as long as the business is conducted within the borders. Uh, mm-hmm. My view on that is 
obviously create a state bank of, or re-establish the state bank of Victoria, remove it out of APRA, 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 APRA whatever that, that acronym organisation is, remove it out of their control, set um, interest rates as high, as low, as whatever it is, but then also uh, use the state bank as a way for Victorian residents to own their own homes rather yeah. than, um, you know, uh, multinationals and, and everything like that owning uh, residential property in Victoria, uh, then the, the state bank would also be able to fund uh, any uh, infrastructure work that needs to be done, obviously, by the amount of assets that they have under management and all that sort of stuff. So that yeah. would reduce the taxpayer burden for funding things. I mean, um, you know, Supreme Leader Andrews has committed umpteen billion dollars for digging tunnels and, and doing whatever else that he wants to do uh, and it's all going to come at a cost to us where I, I think it, it's sadly that my grandkids are still going to be paying that debt off when it comes to it. Though, uh, you know, my view is that, you know, wind back excessive infrastructure like that one but then use the state bank to fund genuine infrastructure. So, uh, you know... As you've said, you know, priorities uh, offer priority lending for public housing, uh, construction, um, yeah. electricity generation, et cetera, et cetera. So have no problems with that. That I, yeah, I'd love to see you guys develop that one a bit more rather mm. than, than have it as that and then sort of, you know, make it a, a genuine thing that does become a, a topic of discussion. Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, we're still a fairly new party. Um, this whole platform only got written up in the last few months. So there's still areas, um, you know, that need a lot of, de- a lot more detail, you know, that could go in and that could be, you know, a good uh, talking point. But I think, yeah, the, the, the starting point of having a state-owned bank, giving, um, giving Victorians kind of a, you know, something that a stake in 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 the bank uh, would be a good thing, um, and yeah, giving a, a low interest loan so people can you know afford to get a house. So, what what's your view on cryptocurrency? Uh, and you you can just make it your personal one if you want. I'm not asking for the position of of the, the party or anything like that. Uh, my position is that it's a solution looking for a problem. But haven't we got enough problems out there that a decentralised finance, um, you know, the ability to uh, control your own finance and, um, you know, take out the middleman for for financial transactions, doesn't that have some sort of um, appeal? Yeah, sure. Um, in the abstract, yes, uh, but I don't. Yeah, I just don't think that. Mm. No, 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 that's all right. As as I said, man, I, I'm not. I'm not here to catch you out on anything. I'm not asking you to to you know make any commitments to anything. It was just a general discussion. Um, yeah, but uh, no, we don't have a position on crypto. One thing that, okay, looking still on the state bank thing, it says uh, water management projects devoted to maintaining the health of Murray-Darling and other river systems. Um, Why not just get out of the Murray-Darling basin thing altogether and then just 
because that's the centralization of power which has created a lot of the water problems because there's uh, super funds and multinationals investing in water futures which pushes obviously the water prices up um, mm. makes it harder for the farmers to uh, the ability to afford water that they need uh, and everything like that so I, you know my thoughts would be, and as I said, coming from the, the anarchist point of view of, of decentralisation of everything, um, get out of, of the um, MDBA or whatever they call it um, for that one and just leave it to the responsibility of the state um, for that. So um, hopefully that's you know, maybe something you can ponder about a bit more, especially if you mm -hmm. have um, uh, anti-capitalist views. Uh, I think that that's creating... You know, a, a larger problem than it solves, um, and it, it's going to come back and and be um, disadvantage to us um, down the track um, for there. But anyway, um, actually, one thing there was one other one. I was going to talk about democracy, but then that'll get into a deeper discussion. ...about whether Australia is a democracy or Victoria is a democracy. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the short answer is no. We're, we're, we live in a dictatorship of capital. Is it? Sure. Is it? Or is it just a, a, a dictatorship of the elites? Who are the elites? The elites are the, are the people who own capital. Um, possibly, but then um, if, you, you know, if you subscribe to the theory of the World Economic Forum... ...and everything like that... Um, that's, you know, um, whilst that is a whole new discussion within itself, um, yeah, it's, I think that that's more I mean, of obviously a... Obviously, they have, you know, many flunkies, you know, politicians, you know, senior bureaucrats, you've got, you know, boards of government and non-government entities, et cetera, that, you know, um, but I think the, you know, the main, the main people calling the shots are the, are the, the capitalists, you know, the, the businesses, that's what everything revolves around, is around them and their drive for profits. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. All right. I, I, yeah. I, I, without getting too deeper into that one, because it'll be another hour-long discussion on that one. Um, one thing I, I so this is the last one. This is part of your um, uh, endohomophobia and transphobia. Right down the bottom uh, is until they can give informed consent, ban all invasive and irreversible medical procedures on intersex children that modify sex characteristics unless necessary to avoid serious health-related harm. Yeah. Um, I'll admit I'm generally surprised by that. Um, well, yeah, it's it's a thing that that doesn't get talked about much. But um, invasive surgery, uh, you know, at birth, gender assignment surgery at birth, um, yeah, it does still occur. Um, sometimes even without the the parents' consent, you know, because it, it's it's uh, it's often treated as a serious medical uh, condition to be born into sex um, that needs to be, you know, resolved ASAP. So so would that 
um, that little bit there, would that still cover off um, what they're calling now as gender reassignment surgeries for children? Uh, well, when you're getting into can they consent, are they old enough to give and consent about that's it. the assignment that they want? Yeah, well, I mean, exactly what age, you know, had um, you could judge uh, a minor's consent for a big surgery like that. Um, okay, give me an arbitrary number. And and as I said, this is just for this bit, it's a discussion between you and me. I'm not going to, to you know, say it's part of the, the Socialist Party um, position mm. or anything like that. Um, my view is it should all be stopped until they turn 18. Um, yeah. Once they become an adult, then they can make their own decision about what bits they want to get chopped off or what bits they want to get turned into something else. Um, for, for that, it, um, you know, look, there's other policies about raging, ra- raging, raising um, the criminal liability age to 14 um, uh, and all that sort of stuff. But yes, I agree with that. I you know, my view is hey, it should be you know, a little bit higher than that. Um, I, I think 14, because if you turn around and say a 14-year-old's criminally responsible for that, well then, and they're able to make the decisions yeah. on right and wrong. Yeah, if they're able to commit serious crimes and judge right and wrong, why, why don't they get to vote? Why yes, and all that I have a problem with. Yeah, all that I have a problem with. So, you know, from from that perspective, I think that the, you know, in a in an ideal world, as you said, um, as we've discussed before, more engaged communities and um, social networks, um, like mm-hmm. face-to-face social networks, not this online stuff, um, <laughs> there wouldn't be the need uh, for 14-year-olds to be, or I wouldn't imagine that there'd be 14-year-olds that would be committing serious crimes. Or, you know, it, it would be something that yeah. if it were to happen, it's probably likely to be the 17 or 18-year-olds. Um, my mm-hmm. view, I think that that should be, the, um, the 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 criminal uh, responsibility age. You know, you know, you're 18. You can drive a car. You can vote. You can you know, legally smoke, drink, do whatever else. Then hey, that comes with the responsibility of that. Whilst you're 16, 17, you can't do any of that. So, you know, if, if you can't drive, if you can't do anything else, you know, why should you be able to be held responsible for that? Um, and yeah. I know that's coming into a whole lot of other discussions that, um, you know, we, we might not have time to get into, but um, going back to uh, this uh, invasive and irreversible medical procedures, um, I think that that should be left for adults. I don't think children can give informed consent uh, regardless of what the medical profession's uh, fraternity or parents say, um, mm-hmm. I think that children should be left to be children. Uh, I think it's abhorrent that uh, Victorian state schools are telling 12-year-olds that um, they can engage in uh, sexual activity with other 12-year-olds and it's perfectly legal as long as, you know, there's, uh, you know, from 12, you know, you can do it up to 14 and then 15, it's, it's a different age group and all that sort of stuff. I think that that's... Um, you know, setting children up for for things that um, are are likely to be – have a negative influence on on their mental health and and all that sort of stuff. So I'd love to – you know, I I don't know how much of that is, you know, telling – I don't think it's – I can't imagine that – 
yeah, there's not much of like uh, encouraging twelve year olds to have sex. But, you know, I think, but I think the sex education is important. Um, uh, you know, I think, uh, and it's around the time that you know uh, kids start to hit puberty, and I think having a discussion about that is a good and mature thing to for a society and our education system to do. It should be the parents up to it, though. I mean, yes, I mean. Yeah, but sometimes the parents aren't 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 willing or or, or just aren't able, you know, they're just too embarrassed or they don't have the words. I think um, some things are are better left to professionals. But should the state be telling 12-year-olds that they can have sex? Well, 12-year-olds can have sex. Um, But should the state be telling it? Should the state be encouraging it? No, well, I don't think they're encouraging it. They're just saying... The you know this is this is the thing that happens, um, you know, and this should be can be done safely. And I don't, yeah, I, I haven't heard of any like them encouraging it. Uh, I don't know where you've heard that. Um, signs are up in councillors' offices, mental health um, councillors' offices letting them know that the age of consent is 12 as long as there's no more than um, two years' age difference between Mm. the two. So if if 12-year-olds are being exposed to that, and I'm talking about children in year seven, if they're being exposed to that, um, then, you know, it it does – they have to be – you know, what other way could you say it apart from promoting it? Well, I don't know. No, that's all right, man. Um, As I said, um, this is just a discussion. As I said, I'm not trying to catch you out on anything. I'm not trying to get a little gotcha or anything like that. Um, Being mindful at the time now, I think we'll wrap it up. Um, Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you if you've got uh, any meet and greets coming up uh, between now and, and that dreaded day in November? Yeah, uh, so I've got a little Facebook page, uh, Lucas Moore uh, for Northeast Metro uh, is the Facebook page. Um, or they can find me on Twitter. Um, yeah, and check out the Victorian Socialist um, website. Just Google it. Yeah, I'll include um, that in the show notes. Yeah, and that'll have all our policies, you know, um, that you've mentioned, uh, plus a lot more. All right. All right, too easy. Um, hope that was, uh, wasn't too painful for you. Um, I, I was actually uh, – and, and I, I'm going to be honest here. Um, I'm actually impressed with, with how it was um, and oh, it did surprise it was, it was me. challenging. Yeah, it did surprise um, me reading some of the policies because I thought, oh, man, I'm just going to find nothing to talk about. It's just going to be pushed back. But, um, you know, I – whilst I can't say – who'd be number one on, on, on my ballot paper and all that sort of stuff. I, I think that, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that you guys could be developing a bit more and, and you know, I fully accept that, you know, you're a fledgling party and all that sort of stuff. But, um, and I will say, yeah, as I said, I was surprised at, at looking at, at some of the things that the policies you have um, – was surprised about how much we have in common with our views mm. um, and, and all that sort of stuff. So, 
Um, yeah, it's good to I, I do appreciate you taking the time out and spending the hour. Um, as I said, um, you were surprised that it lasts that long. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> it went quick. Yeah, it does go quick. And as I said, it, it gives us that that bit, the ability to have um, in depth discussions and and not just something that's you know fifteen second clips and and all that sort of stuff um, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, so yeah, so uh, what else was there? I think. That's about it. So um, thank you. And once again, thanks, Lucas, for, for agreeing to this and um, being a good sport um, and accepting that, you know, I've got different opinions and, and all that sort of stuff and, and pushing back and, and really getting into what I thought might have been a bit of a, of a heated discussion with things. So um, good luck with everything um, and... Uh, as I've put up to other guests as well, if you want to have, if you want to do another one and, you know, have a bit of a discussion about, um, you know, any policies or anything, new developments or anything like that, feel free to reach out and we'll, um, you know, arrange time to, to record another one uh, yeah, and yeah, things so like that. Well, yeah, it might be good to have a, um, yeah, kind of decide on a topic or two beforehand. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, come in kind of prepared. Yep, um, and even um, more than happy to have a chat to you after the election, um, you know, a week so or, or afterwards, yeah, just yeah, a bit yeah, of a debrief, yeah. um, you yeah. know, if you guys, what you think, you know, how you guys think you went uh, and all that sort of stuff. So happy to have those discussions with you as well. Yeah, definitely. So. Thanks. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, thank you for, for t- uh, taking part and, uh, yeah, good luck uh, with the election. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks yeah. a lot. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.